welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. Well, good morning, Agape family. Uh, we are returning to our passage in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be looking specifically at verse 18 this morning. We've uh, been looking at Paul's prayer for the believers at uh, Ephesus and the surrounding area, and he's praying for them that they would have wisdom and insight, which comes from the Holy Spirit, so that they might grow in their knowledge of God. He says in verse 18, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. And then he prays for three specific areas in which he desires for them, and by way of application, all believers, to grow. Uh, first of all, the hope of his calling. And then secondly, the riches of his inheritance. And thirdly, the greatness of his power. Well, the focus of these requests is about God and His work. It's His calling, His inheritance, His power. And they are done for us. This is God's desire for us, that we might grow in wisdom and insight about these great works of God on our behalf. Let's read again for the context this section um, Ephesians chapter 1, let's begin in verse 16. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Well, what does Paul mean by the phrase in verse 18, the hope of his calling? or the hope to which he has called you in the ESV. Uh, these words hope and calling are both important words that carry a great deal of theological truth for us. Well, let's first consider his calling. Well, as in English and Afrikaans, call or calling can be used in different ways, but in the letters to the churches, it is usually used in reference to God's work of calling men unto himself and to salvation. As believers, we are a people who have been called out of this world, out of, out of our lost condition to belong to God through the finished work of Christ on the cross. Well, in a general way, God calls all men to repent and to turn to Christ in faith. This is the, the general invitation of the gospel that we are commanded to proclaim into all the world. And sinners are commanded to obey uh, in faith. Well, many people do not respond to this call or invitation of the gospel, but those who do respond to the gospel in genuine faith are, are said to be specifically the called of God. 
You could also say they respond because they are called. When, when Paul and the other New Testament writers speak of God's call or calling, they're usually referring to this specific work of God in the hearts of men to bring them to faith. The very word church means the called out ones. And uh, this calling is often referred to as God's effectual call because it, it accomplishes his purposes. It is effective in bringing uh, men unto himself. Those whom God has chosen by his grace, he calls to himself. Paul, Paul lays, lays it out very clearly in Romans 8, in that section from verse 28 to 30. One act of God follows upon another, and it is therefore certain, certain as God is and his power is. Let's look at that passage from uh, Romans 8, beginning in verse 28. You'll remember, you're familiar with this passage, Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. That's, that's God's purpose. To, to, to conform us, to bring us to conformity to the image of, of his Son. He goes on to say, In those whom he predestined, he also called. In those whom he called, he also justified. In those whom he justified, he also glorified. And so you can see this, this work of God in the hearts of those he He's predestined, he's called, he's justified, he's glorified. And so you can see that this word called is used to refer to the saints, to the elect of God. And not uh, just in a, a general way of everyone that hears the gospel. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 through 24, we see there that the Jews... Paul says, demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. So Paul is saying that this preaching of the gospel, the, the crucified Christ is a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called, those whom God has called unto himself, who's opened their hearts to this truth of the, of the gospel, he says this message of the gospel, this crucified Christ is the, the power of God and the salvation is the wisdom of God to us. This truth of the specific call of God gives the believer great confidence because our confidence is not dependent upon our own ability, our own faithfulness, but it's dependent upon God. What he has started, he will finish. And so it is the, the, the basis of our hope or confidence. 
Hence Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, that you might know the hope of his calling. You see, it is not arrogance to, to say, I know that I'm going to heaven when I die, because this confidence is not in our good works, but in the finished work of Christ. We who are in Christ by faith are the called of God, and God has called us to something. As we saw in Romans 8 and verse 30, he is bringing us to a future glorification. We saw also earlier in the series in Ephesians 1 verse 4, we are chosen. We're chosen to be holy and blameless before him in love. So there is this, this expectation of where God is taking us. He's called us to be with him in eternity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, there speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so when Paul talks about the hope of his calling or what God has called us to, he is speaking of the confidence we have in a future with the Lord forever. Paul would, would later in this letter will link these two together, the call of God and the hope. Uh, in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Well, let's think about this hope that he's speaking of here, the hope of the believer. We're living in discouraging times, especially in the past year, it's been very hard for many people. There's been financial hardships, loss of work, loss of income. There's been emotional hardships. Some people have been isolated. There's loneliness. And it's just been, in general, a difficult year. And as we look to this new year, we wonder if it will be any better. We might say, I hope the COVID-19 will go away soon. Or I hope things will go back to normal this year. But, but as we use this word hope, you can see there is uncertainty because we don't know if things will get better or not. And, and the Bible uses the word hope this way on occasions. Uh, Paul says when he's talking about his plans, he says, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. And John would write, I hope to see you soon uh, and we will talk face to face. And so there is an element there of uncertainty about their plans, about what they, they're going to do. But when hope is used to refer to what God has done or, or what he has promised, there is always an absolute certainty about what is hoped for. Because God is faithful to his word. The writer of Hebrews speaks of this certain hope. If you, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 6. And I want us to look at this passage. The wording's a little bit difficult to follow because he's 
He's relying heavily upon the imagery of the Old Testament and the, and the wording of the Old Testament. But let's look at this passage as he speaks to, to us concerning our hope. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 to 12, we read, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And you'll remember later in chapter 11, he's going to list many of, of those that have gone before in faith and endurance. Then he speaks in here in Hebrews 6, he goes on to speak of the, God's promise to Abraham and that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through his seed. Uh, and, and that seed, that person that he's referring to is fulfilled in Christ. And he talks about how that God confirmed that promise to Abraham with an oath to help Abraham's faith. Notice in verse 17, he goes on to say, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of this promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. And it's verse 18. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. There in verse uh, 18, he talks about we who have fled for refuge. You see, our refuge is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, we have come to, to him in faith, believing as our Lord and Savior. And in him, we have this strong encouragement, he speaks of, to hold fast to the hope set before us. The reason that we have this strong encouragement, this confidence, is because God is true. And he has committed himself to us as he did unto Abraham and he has given his word to us. And there's, there's no one greater that God could uh, swear by than by himself. And as he makes an oath, he, he gives Abraham this help in his faith that he might believe. In verse 19, he uses a selling metaphor. He, he speaks of a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. See, when sailors wanted to anchor their ship, they would send a smaller boat ahead to carry the anchor to a place where it could be firmly set and anchored. And so the writer mixes this metaphor with the image of the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. Jesus Christ has gone before us as a forerunner to the heavenly Holy of Holies, the very throne of God. And in Jesus our hope is steadfast and sure, anchored to him as he intercedes for us as our high priest before, before God the Father. 
And so Paul prays. He His prayer is that we might have a greater insight into the hope of his calling. Do you have this sure confidence? Do you know that you're saved and that you have this confidence that if you died today, you would be with the Lord in heaven? In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. What does he mean? What's he talking about? Well, in that passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, he's talking about what we have as believers in Christ, and he, he admonishes them to be earnest or eager in adding to their faith the, the godly virtues, and he lists seven there in that passage. And he says that if... Uh, those are not in uh, a person's life, then they're like a, a person who is who is blind, who cannot see. He, he's like a person who has the cataract over his eyes that uh, is preventing him from seeing clearly. And then he says in verse 10, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. And, and what he's teaching us is that these godly virtues that he's speaking of. This uh, conformity to the uh, the character of God, the likeness of, of Christ, uh, they are evidences for the believer. If he's growing, he has these things in growing in them, they are evidences of, of God's calling in his life and working in his life that he is a genuine believer. God has given us his word, which gives us the the assurance, but he also works in us and through us and gives us uh, evidences uh, of his work in us as believers in Christ. This confidence, this hope uh, is very important for us as believers. It gives us stability. We're living in uncertain times. And it admonishes us to live according to who we are in Christ. If we have this sure confidence in what God has done and is doing, it gives us a, a strong foundation from which we can live for Him. Later in, the, in, our, in our text in Ephesians, Paul, in chapter 4, he gets to the practical uh, part of this letter. He says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so there is this admonition for us as believers who have been, been called by God. We, we belong to him and God has accomplished all these things in us and for us. And we are to live in the confidence of what he has declared and what he is doing. And it gives us this encouragement to live for him, to, to remain steadfast, to, uh, to be separated from the world, the sins of the world, and to honor him. I thought about the, the song, The Solid Rock. It's, a, it's an old hymn uh, written by a Baptist pastor, Edwards, Moat in 1834. You'll remember the words, 
He writes, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. He continues, When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. You can hear there the, the reference to Hebrews 6.19 we read concerning our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ who's entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven for us and our confidence is sure in him. His last verse, he writes, When he shall come with trumpet sound, O may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Again, allusion to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, we read concerning the fact that we're chosen and that we're going to appear before God holy and blameless. Well, we want to go to the Lord in prayer. And I trust that, um, that like this Baptist pastor from almost 200 years ago, you have this sure hope. In this song that uh, we read, The Solid Rock, he originally titled The Immutable Basis for a Sinner's Hope. Is your hope in Jesus Christ? Are you anchored to him through faith? Uh, that is the only hope. All others, the, the Bible declares, are, to, are without hope in this world. For those of us who know him, we can stand firm in the promises of God and we can be confident regardless of the storms of life and the troubles that we face. We can rest and be confident in who he is and who we are because we belong to him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this sure confidence that we have in Christ. And the hope, Father, that the scriptures speak of uh, speak of this confidence uh, that we have through faith in your word and the evidences of what you're doing in our lives and the change that you brought about in us by your grace. Father, we thank you for that. We pray for, uh, for each one listening to the message this morning and others, Lord, that may Listen later, we pray, Father, that you would use your word in their heart and their life. That you would uh, help them, Father, as believers to, uh, to know you better. To know the hope they have in you because you have called them. And Father, for some that may listen to these words that are unsaved or unsure, I pray, Father, that you would open their hearts uh, to your word, that you would draw them unto yourself, uh, that you would help them, Father, to uh, come to you in saving faith, or maybe they're believers and uh, just unsure. Maybe they need to uh, grow in their understanding of what you've done for them. And so I pray, Father, that you would accomplish your purposes this morning 
in our hearts and in our lives that you might uh, receive the glory and honor. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I think it's appropriate for us uh, to close with the benediction from Paul in Romans 15, verse 13, where he says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost, his promises shall last. But by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. Justice has been satisfied, he will hold me fast. Raised with him to endless life, he will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to sight, when he comes at last. Savior loves me so